Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Today on the nonprofit news feed, we're talking about what the market drop might mean to donations. Nick, how's it going? It's going good, George. How are you? I'm doing all right today. That's good because we're about to go into a kind of complicated but really uh, time-bound story, really relevant story, and that is that market volatility has the potential to impact DAFs and crypto philanthropy. So two major philanthropy trends that we've been following over the past couple of years on this podcast have been the increase in contributions to DAFs, which are donor-advised funds, as well as the increase in crypto philanthropy. Now, DAFs have seen a surge in popularity and their vehicles for philanthropic giving with an estimated $160 billion in value, according to Nonprofit Trust. And DAFs received some criticism for, uh, you know, maybe lackluster rates of disbursement and a lack of immediate impact, something else that is a potential downside of uh, putting your charitable giving into the markets, essentially, is that the S&P 500 is down 20% over the year, just had its worst week, and that any kind of asset in the market is being hit right now. Uh, The flip side of that on the crypto side is that crypto is way down, essentially crashed, uh, Bitcoin is at less than a third of its value than it was at its peak in the fall. And that is likely to have uh, put negative pressure on people who might otherwise be thinking of uh, donating cryptocurrencies to nonprofits, which is another trend. So their overall story here is that uh, the markets may be messing with these alternate forms of charitable giving this year. George, what are your thoughts? I'll say the larger story is around, I think, DAFs, the donor advised funds, which are essentially, you know, donate now, give later-ish in this optimistic look of money will appreciate over time because it's, you know, in the market. And just back of the napkin, we put in our newsletter that, you know, this could mean as much as $38 billion, just talking about math, 20% drop. 20% 20% of 160 billion, so 38 billion could be off the table. Now, bringing that downstream, one more touch, there's an average number according to the nonprofit trust of 20% given. So the sort of percentage-based giving of DAFs. So what does that mean? Maybe about seven to 8 billion, just less on total giving from these DAFs this year, which is a lot of money. And Looking at it, I often have gotten frustrated about donor-advised funds because of this tax break for donations that there's no even minimum mandatory for for giving, and so it grows or sinks in the market. Now, the frustrating thing to me is that, guess what? When the market drops by this much and the economy potentially is going to be struggling and nonprofits are going to need it most, it's the exact wrong time to decrease the amount of money flowing into the social impact sector. So you sort of doubled down and tied an anchor on bad moments so that when black swan events happen, when social 
you know, social need, it's at its highest, you're at your riskiest. Like it makes me frustrated. It's a thing that frustrates me. With regard to crypto, it's a smaller market. It's less than a trillion dollars in total market cap right now. Will this impact current donations? Yes. However, it is much smaller than I think the total opportunity when we're talking about donor advised funds. It's not all doom and gloom though. Here's what I'll say. It would be a lot worse if this were happening in Q4. The hope here is that there is a rally, that there is a much better optimistic mood for giving what most of our donations do happen in Q4 and in December. So frankly, a summer slump isn't the worst thing, although I feel for you if you just launched your capital campaign. That's 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 the hot take for you, Nick. George, that's a pretty good hot take. Uh, I guess we'll see where we're at in December. I'll talk to you in Q4. I'm hoping going to have a bull market. It's going to be, it's going to be great. But uh, no, I agree with you. I, I appreciate what you said that when the market is volatile, the donations and the funds within DAFs are at their riskiest at the moment that people need it the most. And I think we saw that in 2008 when, you know, people were relying on, uh, you know, the social impact space for help uh, more than ever. And it was a, a slow recovery. So something to keep an eye on. All right, I'll take us into our next story. And this one comes from Nonprofit Pro. And it's about new survey ranking the most trusted nonprofits. And we've talked a little bit about nonprofit trust on this show and have talked about how nonprofits are one of the most trusted social institutions uh, in our, our kind of uh, social fabric. But it talked about respondents who lost trust in a nonprofit, and they were asked about the ways in which their behavior changed and a result. And of people who lost uh, trust, it says that 45% stopped considering giving to a nonprofit and started giving to different nonprofits. So that's kind of interesting. George, what was your takeaway from this survey? It's just very interesting to me to like quantify and rank organizations like St. Jude versus Make-A-Wish versus Habitat for Humanity, you know, all of which are in the top 10. And it's, uh, it's an interesting rubric that is uh, definitely corollary to donations, to the willingness of people to say, hey, I trust you and I trust you with my money. Right. That that's the that's how you finish that sentence. It might be an interesting approach for your organization to maybe create these types of surveys in industries, right? Rather than like nationally across industries, but in verticals. I think there's a lot of opportunity there uh, to do that. I'm, I know I'm giving away this idea, but we just have too many other things to pursue. So take a look at it because we can see that it is corollary to giving, and that is very important to organizations. I agree. Although my, my gripe is this is kind of like the Grammys. It's essentially just the most popular is going to be at the, the top of the list, you know? But. Yeah, yeah, it's name brand awareness, which is why I said there's opportunity in niche, right? In, in, in vertical. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the top 67 most trusted nonprofits of the Picayune area. That's going to crush. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, we got to talk about it this weekend. This 
Juneteenth. It was observed on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. And this comes from KHOU.com. And it talks about how they were honoring uh, Al Edwards, um, who is the late former state representative from Houston who worked tirelessly to make Juneteenth a state holiday. Juneteenth, of course, uh, the day in which the last slaves were essentially freed, or in the case that the news had traveled to them that they were, in fact, uh, free. And yeah, just kind of cool to honor this point in history and how far we've come. We actually looked it up before the podcast. It became a federal holiday last year. So this is our second year celebrating Juneteenth as a federal holiday, but of course has been celebrated for quite a while, especially by folks in Texas. Wonderful sort of legacy and accomplishment to have this as a gone from a state holiday to a national holiday that is now def definitely being observed. And just to note, you know, Edwards passed away in, in 2020. So again, a, a tremendous uh, legacy to, to behold and clearly, you know, by 2020, hopefully saw that this was definitely coming in as a, as a national holiday. So uh, a good time to remember and a great time to remember the American history for, for what it was as, as, a, as a truth where it took two years despite legislation and rules being changed where, where people were still essentially slaves in Texas. Absolutely. All right, George, this will be our last story for the podcast, but we wanted to quickly highlight one from the New York Times that's been making the rounds on social media, and it's a feature story, so it's quite long, but I think really worth reading. And the title is How Houston Moved 25,000 People from the Streets into Homes of Their Own. And the, the subtitle is, the nation's fourth largest city hasn't solved homelessness, but its remarkable progress can suggest a way forward. And the overall gist of the story is really quite remarkable coalition building and uh, uh, pooling of assets and drive towards one goal, which is essentially a housing first model. You know, every organization has its needs, its objectives, this, that, and the other, but a, kind of a really interesting saga of how all these different pieces uh, came together to help folks who were homeless get into homes and goes through like the bureaucracy of it. It's, it's a little bit too in-depth for a long, uh, a short form podcast like this, but it talks about streamlining the bureaucratic process from 76 steps to uh, uh, and 720 days to only 32 days. It's, it's really quite remarkable. So we really uh, suggest reading it. Yeah, the TLDR is when you reduce friction, you get better results. Fewer people have to wait fewer days. It goes from, you know, a few years to a month. That's life changing. This is awesome. And something to note when you're at a nonprofit dealing with public policy is look for the friction and look to reduce. Absolutely. All right. Any, uh, any feel-good stories for us? Sure, George. I got a feel-good story for you. This comes from newsjournalonline.com. And this story is about a guy named Dan Friend who decided he wanted to bring a 140-ton World War II tugboat from Sweden back to Deland where it was built. And it kind of goes through the, the saga of how he's able to bring this uh, piece of history home and working with the Deland Historic Trust and a couple other organizations. 
And and they got a, a donor for two hundred thousand dollars to bring this World War II tugboat tugboat back to where it was built. And I think it goes into this larger narrative about how important history is in in shaping our our communities, our our sense of identity, who we are, and honestly, just a really interesting, a cool piece of history. It looks like there's a diplomatic narrative here. They they worked with the U.S. Embassy in Sweden, uh, so just kind of a, a, a cool story. Yeah, and also it's for a Memorial Day celebration in particular. So consider with the holidays coming up, how your nonprofit might be able to entice donors to bring back historical elements, celebrations, and moments that help us uh, remember our past and support uh, social impact today. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to Greg Thomas Music.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 